My name is Unoma Azwa, and I'll be reading from my memoir, Embracing My Shadow Growing Up a Lesbian in Nigeria. The excerpt I'll be sharing is from chapter 16, and it's entitled Apparitions and Waterlogged Terrains, Teenage Years. I set out for Nietzsche holding tightly to the direction Chinelo wrote out for me on a piece of paper. At Onicha, I was to take a bus to Okuzu Junction and then take a taxi to Adani. The taxi will stop at Adani Market and I will see a huge cathedral. I should go to the gate of the church and ask the woman that sells oranges there where I could find the family home of the Ikwes. She asked me who I was. I told her, Chinelo's friend. She covered her tray of oranges with one of the loose wrappers and grabbed me by the hand. You must be Chinelo's good friend to have come all the way from Asaba to visit her. That is good. Such friendships are rare. Stay close to each other, okay? Yes, ma, I replied. There were mostly tight houses as we walked towards a couple of cement homes, one of which was a two-story building. We had walked for about half a mile when I heard a piercing scream from the balcony of the two-story building. Before I could look up, the owner of the scream had disappeared. Then... There was Chinelo tumbling towards me as if a horse in a race. She almost flung me down in greeting. She didn't stop. She jumped up several times as her massive bosom heaved up and down. I had to hold her to make her stop. I became self-conscious. She thanked the woman profusely. Her whole family came to meet me and thanked the lady too. Her father gave the lady some money and waved her a goodbye. We went upstairs where her three younger siblings peered at me from behind the door of their living room. Her older sister teased her about letting them get some rest now that Unoma had arrived. When I asked her why she said that, she laughed about how obsessed Chinelo was about me, that she wouldn't let them drink a cup of water peacefully without her humming away in the background about me. I felt scrutinized, especially when everybody, including their father, stared at me. As if snapped out of a trance, their mother, a tiny dark-skinned woman, spoke up. She had been in the kitchen all the while. She asked if I was hungry, that they had prepared some food for me. I told her that I was. She hugged me and hurried out through the back door of the living room. I noticed that Chinelo looked more like her father. He was of an average height and very light skin. There was something strange about his facial expression. He seemed as if he smiled and scowled intermittently. I stood by Chinelo, who squeezed my hand and asked me to follow her to the room where we'll be staying. It was a long room with a queen-sized bed near one of the two windows. Through the windows, I could see a large expanse of a rice farm. A cluster of herons were at the edge of a rice farm. Farther were a couple of women who seemed to be beating bags of rice. Nelo pulled me away and asked me to help her fold her clothes. There were too many clothes scattered at the corner of the room. We had folded almost half of them when Chinelo rolled up one of her shirts and flung it at me. Are you okay? You seem so quiet. I'm fine. I'm trying to contain the joy of seeing you again. I didn't think I would have survived another week without setting my eyes on you, I said. Me too, she replied. I had pleaded with my father to take me as far as Onicha so that I can find my way to Asaba to find you. He scoffed and asked me to be patient till we're able to see each other again in school. It's a good thing you came, she said, and pulled me to the floor. We were in the middle of a wrestle when her mother came in to announce that food was ready. She smiled at me. 
Are you two already catching up? We didn't say a word. Chinelo giggled at me and grabbed me by the waist. The meal was a big bowl of okra soup with pounded yam. I thought it was for the two of us. But she said she was going back to the kitchen to get Chinelo's plate. After the meal, we helped ourselves to bottles of malt drink and then caught up on how I made my way from Asaba to her house. Chinelo's father seemed impressed that I was able to come all the way by myself. He asked me why I arrived late, that I should have set out early in the morning. I tried to convince him that it was not too far and it was easy for me to find. I also told him that there were a couple of fellow travelers who were headed to nearby villages. He asked me more questions. I told him about one of the travelers who was an agricultural extension officer on his way to inspect some rice farms and about another lady who goes to Anicha to sell her fish. Then he patted my back and told me that I was a determined girl. He smiled. But then that scowl again settled on his face before he left the room. I stared at my toes till Chinelo suggested we go back to the room because we had a lot to catch up on. As we sat on the bed, she asked me what I did at home. While we were on holiday, she was bored most of the time. I told her that I was also bored, but that I tried to read and sleep when I was not daydreaming about her. She laughed and pulled my face to hers and made faces at me. We both laughed hysterically and lay on the floor staring at each other. A wave of cold from a concrete slab made me wince as I pulled the blanket closer around me. I heard Chinelo's voice. It was faint. I opened my eyes and she was standing over me. She was just on her underwear with a loose white shirt. You dozed off, I heard her say. I was still a bit groggy. Then she knelt beside me and circled me with her arms as if to lift me up. You can't. You can't lift me up. I don't know what you think you are, superwoman. I laughed. Let's see, she said. In an effort to lift me, she grunted and gave up. I just leapt up. She chased me around the room until I was out of breath. She held me from behind as we both stared out through the window. Except for the shafts of faint light that flooded in through the window, everywhere was dark already. The air was warm and thrills of crickets overwhelmed the night. In bed, we could barely see our faces. Chinelo asked if I was cold or warm. I told her I was comfortable. She snuggled up to me. Then the air around us felt tense. She was so beautiful. The soft feel of her body made my breathing shallow. Her dreamy eyes were like ponds I yearned to submerge myself in. When she looked at me, my heart skipped boisterously. We stared at each other and then kissed gently. A strong surge of sweet sensation rushed down my spine. I cradled her face in my hands. At first, our kissing was gentle. It gradually built up to a higher tempo until we pulled off our clothes. I buried my face in her belly and rolled my tongue in the groove of her belly button and then walked my way up to her large limber breasts. Her nipples were turgid. I pulled them together and sucked them. She moaned and found my face with her tongue. We kissed and we groped for each other's groins. I pushed her down and thrust my tie between her legs and teased her lips with the tip of my tongue. The night faded. The rings of cricket were like music that rose with the rhythm of our bodies until it reached a crescendo that found us wailing and yelping into each other's arms. An unfathomable surge of pleasure. We reached for each other's mouths as our bodies rose and receded like waves on a sea of storms. More moans escaped. Instantly, the door swung open. It was her father. We were panting. Are you both okay? He asked. 
The flame of his handheld lamp flickered and flapped from the window breeze, and his face was distorted in the shadow of the broken light.